Welcome and thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I'm Marvin Telemontis, the pastor of River Rock Fellowship. Hope this inspires you and builds up your faith and helps you to see that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. It is so great to be here with you today. My husband, Matt, has been in Pastor Marvin's life for the past 25 years. In fact, Pastor Marvin has mentored him throughout his childhood and adulthood, so much so that he was one of the pastors that officiated our wedding. And we have had the privilege of being an extended part of the River Rock family, as my husband has been the one editing Pastor Marvin's videos during this time of the pandemic. So we've enjoyed watching his sermons weekly alongside of you. When Pastor Marvin had to be away from the church for the next few weeks, he asked me if I would come and share with you a message that is near and dear to my heart. And that message is answering the question, what is God's will for our lives? Yet I have served in vocational ministry with college students for the past 25 years. And this seems to be a question that they always want to know the answer to. And so this is something I have studied thoroughly over the years of my time in ministry. I have studied every single verse in the Bible on this topic, and there are over 50 of them. I have spoken in many different places on this topic, and so I'm excited to share that with you today. But before we begin, I would just like to pray over our time. Heavenly Father, thank you that you want us to know what your will is for our lives. I pray that you would speak clearly through your word today and that we would all leave this time confident knowing how we can live in your will no matter what stage of life we are in. I pray that you would be glorified in this time we have together. In your name we pray, amen. Now, I don't think it matters if you're listening here today and you're a high school student wondering where you're gonna to go to college or you're a college student wondering where you're gonna have your job and career when you graduate, or maybe you're someone in your mid-40s like me, and you're just wondering, is your life actually making an impact? Are you leaving a legacy? Or maybe you're retired and you're wondering, how do I use the time that I have now, this free time I have? Um, how would God want me to use my life? I think we all still wonder how we are doing at living out God's will in our life. We, we wanna make good decisions. We want to have um, the right path that we are on. But sometimes we just get overwhelmed trying to figure it out. Pretty much at every turn or new direction in life, this question comes up. What is God's will for my life? Now, should I go to In-N-Out or Chick-fil-A? Should I buy a Honda or a Toyota? Should I have this job or that job, this house or that house? The questions could be endless, right? And I think we all wanna know at some point, are we headed? in the right direction? Will we have God's blessings in the decisions that we're making? And are our lives gonna make a difference and leave a legacy? And so here's how I would define God's will if I were to squeeze it all into one sentence. I would say God's will for us is to be empowered by the Spirit so that we could continually grow in our sanctification and in our effectiveness as sent ones. Now, there are three parts to this definition that we're gonna explore this morning. The first one is we are called to be empowered by the Spirit. 
The second is we are called to grow in our sanctification. And the third one is we are called to be sent ones. I made them in all S's to be a spirit filled, to have our sanctification and to be sent ones because I just love alliteration. And hopefully it will help us to remember some of the key things about God's will. We're gonna look at them in reverse order this morning. And so we're gonna start with the idea of what does it mean to be a sent one? This is what we are actually being asked to do. When we think about God's will, often we think about what we should do and questions like this arise. What school should I attend? What company should I work for? Where am I to live? Who am I to marry? Um, what am I supposed to do with my life? But What's interesting are these are not the questions that God is most concerned about answering in detail. God cares about how we are doing at being a sent one in whatever job or career that we choose. Now, a sent one, let's define that. A sent one is someone who sees the people around them and they know that they need hope, forgiveness, grace, freedom, and the life-transforming message of the gospel. We are sent ones wherever we choose to live, work, or play. And as a sent one, we're to see the eternal souls of our neighbors, friends, and coworkers. God cares way more about us living as sent ones than he does about what career choice we choose to go into. John 4, 32 through 38, reminds us that the harvest is here right now in front of us if we are willing to look up and see the people around us. Here's what it says. Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say there are four months and then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. Listen to this, he says, I send you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Jesus wants every person who claims to be a follower of him to do as he did and to go out and share the good news of the gospel, of salvation, of forgiveness and freedom to those who have never heard. Being a sent one means keeping our eyes open to the people around us and believing that we might be the only believer that they have contact with and have an opportunity for them to learn about Jesus. Now, we don't need to preach at them in the first conversation, but we should prayerfully and intentionally um, care about the people around us and see how God might want us to engage with them on spiritual things. God's will isn't for you to save people. He may have you just plant seeds in people's lives to grow their respect for Christians or their curiosity about Christ. Either way, he is sending us out to engage with people because his word says that many more are ready to accept Christ if only they understood who he was, why he came, and how he can transform their lives for eternity. 
but it's scary, isn't it? It's risky, it's intimidating, it's uncertain, it's uncomfortable. I mean, being sent and engaging spiritually with others can have us, cause, have us be fearful and anxious. But that's not God's will for us as sent ones. Jesus commissions us to be sent ones and to go out in peace, not in fear and anxiety. He says in John 20, 21, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. When we have complete security that we are loved by Jesus, when he is really real, in our lives and we know that he is with us and will guide us then we can risk and engage with others because he will give us peace now let me be honest with you i have been in vocational ministry for the past 20 years i have written a book on engaging with others in spiritual conversations i've been to over 30 countries engaging with other people in the gospel and still yet there are times I feel intimidated, uncomfortable, and overwhelmed when I'm in a spiritual conversation. Here are just a few examples. Um, do you think it was comfortable when a person who thought that they were a vampire came up to me on my very first mission trip and asked me to have a conversation with her? No, that was not comfortable. Or do you think I felt calm when a crazy lady at a motel in Santa Monica came outside of her room and said someone put a curse on her and she was freaking out and wanted help? I had no clue what to do. Or do you think I felt safe when I was in a car with my Muslim professor in the Middle East and she threatened to kick me out and leave me stranded on the street all because she realized that she felt attracted to me and she didn't know what to do with her emotions? That was completely awkward. All of these encounters were not peaceful, but moment by moment, I was asking God to give me wisdom and to guide the conversations. As I submitted to him and invited him into those situations, I had peace that he was with me and he would guide the conversation with each person. God will put unique circumstances as sent ones in our lives, but he will also give us what we need at the moment in order to have the conversation that he wants us to have. This is his will and his plan. This is what we are called to do. So the second thing that is God's will according to the Bible is for us to be sanctified. And this is about who we are to become. When we think about who we are to become, we often identify ourselves with our roles in life. Are we a teacher, engineer, doctor, mother, father, pastor? But God cares way more about our character, who we are on the inside, than he cares about the titles that we have obtained. Our character is just who we are. I believe God cares about this even more than us being sent ones because our character will either turn people away from Christ or it will turn them toward him. Jesus didn't just save us so that we'd be forgiven and go to heaven one day. He says in 1 Peter 1, 15 through 16, but like the Holy Spirit who called you, be holy yourselves also in all of your behavior because it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. This is so important to God that he mentions it nine times in the Bible. 
He wants us to set ourselves apart from the world. He wants us to pursue righteous living. Sometimes when we think about holiness, we might think of oppressive rules, not our character. But truly, these expectations of God are not to oppress us, but to grow us, to have more of his heart and his mind inside of us. This is the process of sanctification, to become more and more like Jesus. Now, here are some very real and challenging examples that we all need to wrestle with. He wants us to love our enemies. I mean, people who hate us. He wants us to forgive anyone for anything, anything. He wants us to believe the best in others and not gossip, slander, or judge. He wants us to respect authority as he's the one that's put him, put him there. He wants us to serve and be humble. He wants us to put others' needs in front of our own. And these are really hard, right? I mean, pursuing holiness and purging sin out of our lives, it's like so incredibly painful that I think of it as like open soul surgery with no drugs to numb the pain. And we realize we're just broken, sin-filled people, desperately in need of a savior, in need of someone to come and heal us and change us. But here's what we need to remember. It is not about how far from holiness we are or have been, but it's about being committed to growing and becoming more like him daily. Listen to what 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 through 8 says, For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter, because the Lord is an avenger in all these things. As we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you, for God has not called us to impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this disregards not man, but God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. God's will for you is your sanctification. It mentions here again how God has called us to holiness, making ourselves different than the world around us. And he knows one of the hardest areas to abstain from is the area of sexual temptation. God's will isn't to reveal who we are to marry. God's will is for us to abstain from sex outside of marriage. God's will for us is to refrain from looking at pornography so that we have an honoring, intimate, holy marriage. And no doubt, abstaining is a sacrifice, but it's also a form of worship. We are choosing God and obedience over our flesh and sin. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing, listen to this, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Here's the hard truth. We cannot be in sin and be in the will of God. We cannot love the world 
and be in the will of God. It's just that simple. Look at 1 John 2, 15 through 17 says, Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride in possessions is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. If you want to be in the will of God, you must surrender whatever you love to do that is not following his word. It will feel like continual suffering to not give in to your flesh, but this is the will of God. Check out 1 Peter 4, 1 and 2. It says, since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. So as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. So how can we grow in our sanctification to be in his will? Well, first we need to admit that we have chosen our flesh. We need to confess our sin to him. We need to surrender to him those fleshly desires and temptations. And then we invite the Holy Spirit to empower us with his strength so that we can say no to sin and yes to holiness and move forward. This leads us to our third focus. God's will for us is to be empowered by his spirit. God's will for us is to be spirit-filled, not sin-filled. This is the power offered to us so that we can continually grow in our sanctification as well as our effectiveness as sent ones. I love that God is not just asking us to change on our own. Hebrews 13, 20 through 21 says this, Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. He doesn't want you to live in guilt and shame. He wants you to live in peace. He wants you to grasp that God's power is enough to raise Jesus from the dead. And his power is made available to you through his spirit for you to be equipped for anything he asks you to do and anything that you are wrestling with that isn't pleasing to him. If we don't grasp that God's will for us is to be filled with the spirit, then we are actually going to live foolish, disempowered lives. Listen to what Ephesians 5, 17 and 18 says. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that's debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Practically, when it comes to overcoming our flesh and pursuing holiness, we just need to invite the Holy Spirit to give us the power to say no to temptation and to provide us with the strength to choose to do what is right. Daily, my flesh is tempted with food. As soon as I wake up, I think about what will I eat today or maybe what I shouldn't eat today. And so I need to get up early in the morning, journal and pray and ask the Holy Spirit to give me the power to say no to my physical flesh, to not engage in gluttony or overeating or just to eat toward my emotions but to choose to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit in willpower and self-control. And when I ask him to do that, 
I have self-control. And when I don't ask him to do that, I don't. He will enable us to say no to our flesh if we ask the Spirit to empower in us. The Holy Spirit doesn't just help us with our temptations, though. He helps us to be effective sent ones. Jesus said to his disciples in Acts 1.8, And when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit enables us to be effective witnesses anywhere. Let me tell you, being a missionary does not give me special knowledge on how to engage with people that are different than myself. I ask the Holy Spirit to help me to engage in these conversations, to show me how to relate to somebody, to show me how do I bring Jesus into this conversation. And he will almost always show me if I ask him. It doesn't matter if I'm talking to a veiled woman in the Middle East or my neighbor who has terminal cancer or a person that I'm selling products to on Facebook Marketplace. When I ask the Holy Spirit to guide the conversation, he does. John 3, 34 says, For he whom God has sent utters the words of God, for he gives the Spirit without measure. And John 14, 26 says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to you remembrance all that I have said to you. The Holy Spirit is going to guide every conversation that we invite him into. This should help us to not throw away our confidence when it comes to being a sent one. Listen to what Hebrews 10, 35 says. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. My righteous one shall live by faith, and if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. God's will for us is that we will not shrink back from the life that he has for us. We are to trust by faith that his will is better for us than our will, that his way is better for us than our ways. God's will for us is to be empowered by the Holy Spirit so that we can grow in our sanctification and as our effectiveness as sent ones. The final question now is this, if God's will for you is to be empowered by the Spirit and to continually grow in your sanctification and to be a sent one, are you willing to walk in it? Do you want to live in His will? And I pray that you do. You know, maybe today you're being tugged at your heart that you need to repent of a particular sin in your life. If so, confess your sin to him right now. Admit to him that you need his help in order to be victorious in this area in your life. Ask him to empower you with his spirit so that from this day forward, you can take steps towards holiness and wholeness in your life. Maybe God's tugging at your heart that you need to be more aware of the people around you, that you need to ask the Holy Spirit to open your eyes and to see the lost around you and be willing to go where he wants you to go and to say what he wants you to say and to do what he wants you to do. If so, invite him to guide you on how to engage in intentional spiritual conversations with others and 
just get ready to see the incredible circumstances that he is going to allow to occur in your life. In closing, I would like to pray over you the Lord's Prayer, asking for his will to be done in our lives together. Let me pray this prayer with you. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Well, we hope this message helps you to take your next step closer to Jesus. Here's a great question to ask yourself right now. How will I be different because of what I just heard today? Well, for more info about us, go to rrf.church or find us on Facebook. I'm Pastor Marvin thanking you for taking the time to join us.